Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 163, I am joined by Dr. Bruce Lipton. Bruce is a cell biologist, lecturer, and an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. Bruce was on the faculty of the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and later performed groundbreaking stem cell research at Stanford University. He is the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, The Honeymoon Effect, and co-author with Steve Behrman of Spontaneous Evolution. Bruce received the 2009 prestigious Goi Peace Award in Japan in honor of his scientific contribution to world harmony. Our conversation lasts one hour and 20 minutes. There is so much heart and mind expanding content that I've made this a two-part special episode, which will give you plenty of time to help the wisdom sink in. Bruce shares his 50 years experience of science and cell biology, and there'll be no doubt things that you will hear which will be new to you or even counter to the worldview that many people hold. I invite you to listen to this episode with curiosity and open mind and know that this is not medical advice, but a continued extension to invite you to seek your own experiences. Here we go, part one, episode 163 with Dr. Bruce Lipton. The vaccine is useless. A lack of knowledge is a lack of power. And the world is putting us where? In growth? Oh, absolutely not. The world is shut it down, folks. Hide in your house, put the mask on, don't get too close to the other people. They go, holy crap, because evolution is the opposite. I don't care how many times you make a new vaccine, nature's gonna make a new virus. <laughs> That's the way yeah. it always has been. And all of a sudden we did it. We locked up people and we put people away from each other. And I go, uh, why did we do this? Fear. Fear gets you ready to run from that invisible tiger that's chasing you. Uh, and when you're running from the tiger, where do you want your energy? 90% of illness on this planet is due to stress. Everyone thinks, oh, genes are responsible. Wake up call, you ready? Less than 1% of illness on this planet is connected to genes. Dr. Bruce Lipton, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? Ryan, I am so happy to be here with you and our audience because it's a wake-up call for the world right now. And so thank you for giving me a little platform to say hello to the world. Uh, it's honor and privilege is all mine. And um, I'm going to start fast-paced, if that's okay with you, and then I'll give our audience a chance to circle back and hear some of your, your concepts. But I listened to the wisdom of yourselves, and, and in it you said that the future of leadership is mammalian, um, and it's fractal geometry that kind of gives you the confidence to say that and to predict that. I'd love to know, you can see here, heart-centered leadership is what we're all about here, always better than yesterday. Oh. Explain to me how you came to that conclusion. Oh, okay, well, fractal geometry is how you put structure in a space. And all of us everywhere, probably every listener on here has taken what is called Euclidean geometry when they went to school. That's the one with the triangles, the cubes, the spheres, the physical structures, and we did all that stuff. And I go, but 
try and make nature using that that geometry. You know, when we were kids, we made a tree like a Christmas tree was a triangle with a stem on the bottom, you know, <laughs> or something very simple. But it doesn't replicate nature. And uh, at about early 1980s, uh, um, Benoit Mandelbrot at IBM uh, was using a fractal equation in a supercomputer at that time. And I go, what do you mean? I go, a fractal equation is uh, an, an equation that goes on into affinity. I go, what the hell does that mean? I go, well, give you, here's a fractal equation. Take a line, cut it in half. That's the, that is the formula. Now, how you do it is you take a line, you cut it in half, and then you repeat that again using the half. And you put it back in, you cut that in half, and you get a quarter. And then you cut that in an eighth. And I say, well, how many times can I cut that? I say, infinitely, down to atoms. You can keep cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting, uh, and, and it repeats itself. That's the most important part, because it's the same equation. Take a line, cut it in half. Repetition in that equation brings one of the most important insights to our world, and that is this. Using fractal geometry, Mandelbrot found out he could throw a, an equation into a computer and print out a fern plant, uh, a snail, a uh, tree, a uh, river. Uh, and I say, well, why, why is this so important? And the mm -hmm. answer is this. The structures in nature actually are, are created by fractal geometry. So mm -hmm. they're repetitive issues. Uh, uh, like uh, if you look at a river and you got all the little tributaries to it, and then I say, uh, look at it a little bit farther away and you got the main river with then the tributaries. And, I, and every time you look at it, it's like the same structure. Even if you get to the small little creek, there's, there's also little tiny creeks coming in. So it's a repetitive pattern. As above, so below is a mathematical principle in fractal geometry. So whatever is made out of fractals, it means that the structure at any one level is very similar to the structure at any other level. Uh, they use an analogy, they use a Russian Maestroska dolls which are wooden, wooden dolls, and you open up one, and inside is another one that looks just like the, the first one, but it's smaller, and you open that one up, and then there's another one inside, and I say you can keep opening these up, and they're smaller, smaller. The smallest one has the same characteristics as the largest one. Mm. As above, the same character up here is the same character down here. That is a principle. So I say, what does that mean? Then I say that nature is repetitive in its pattern. And that there are a pattern that we're all familiar with is, let's say, the vertebrate pattern. Mm -hmm. Fish were the first vertebrates, then amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals. And I go, fine. And I go, but human civilization is a coherence of cells coming together to create an organism called civilization. And I say, as civilization evolved, it went through the same patterns that vertebrates went through a ref reflection. So. The first human cultures were fish cultures. I go, why? Because they all had to live at the water. That was the only way they could survive. So, in fact, they they navigated the whole world by being at the edge of the uh, of the continents and then taking boats and going to the edge of the other continents. And uh, and thousands of years ago, before we even, in our conventional understanding, uh, going back in history, find my God, thousands of years ago, uh, people were were taking boats like from uh, Egypt to Australia. <laughs> uh, and this is over 10,000 years ago. So I say, so they were mariculture, 
meaning they lived at the sea. But once we developed enough technology to go inland, make a well, a viaduct, whatever, then the populations moved from the coast inland. They took the water with them. That's an amphibian. Amphibian starts in the water, but takes the water and goes on the land with it, okay? And then I go, then what? I say, well, the next level of agriculture, that's what it was. So first is mariculture, then agriculture. And then I said, but the next level of human organization uh, was more reptilian. I said, what's that? They're machine-like. As a matter of fact, reptiles are almost like digital when you see them move. And I go, it was the industrial age that we became like reptiles, okay? And, and it's interesting because we always talk about the industrial age is fueled by oil. Like so, and where does oil come from? <laughs> yep. The dinosaurs. And I go, what are they? And I go, those are the reptiles. So our, our whole civilization is using the blood of the dinosaur and its character is dinosaur. Very, you know, take everything you want, rip it all out, do what you want. And I say, that was cool. It got us to this point. And then I say, but along the way, the reptiles even took a branch off that they took their machines and learned how to fly. Mm. And, oh, so we went, let's go back. Started with mariculture. Then we went to agriculture. Uh, so I go, we fish, amphibian. Reptile was industrial age, okay? And then from the industrial age came aviation. So it was the aviation age. And I go, and what happened in aviation? I say, well, in 1969, we left the planet and flew to the moon. And I go, that was the full extent of aviation. Take our flights, go to the moon. I said, what happened when we got to the moon, 1969? I go, well, people had the first opportunity to see the earth looking back from the moon. And I go, what happened then? Well, that was the age of the hippies, 1969. I go, what, what were the hippies about? take care of yourself, take care of the kids, take care of the environment. I go, that's called nurturing. Nurture the kids, nurture the environment, nurture ourselves. I go, nurturing, that's the character of what are called mammals. That is in their definition, nurturers. So we went from uh, fish, mariculture, then we went to amphibians, agriculture, then we went to reptiles, industrial age, machine-like things. Then we went to aviation and birds, and then from birds, the next level of humans was to see the planet from a distance and say, oh my God, that's all there is. We have to take care of it. Oh, take care of it. That's called nurturing. So the evolution is pushing us now from the industrial age where the oil is running out. The system is collapsing, just like mm -hmm. dinosaurs, it's collapsing. But the only way to preserve ourselves is to start nurturing ourselves and nurturing the planet. Take care of it because... Uh, we've created a, a mass extinction with our behavior mm. by undermining nature. You said, you know, how do you get out of mass extinction? Like to say, you better start coming back and loving nature and start taking care of it because nature is pushing us out. Why? Mm. We've upset the garden. We're collapsing the web of life by human behavior. So we're given a choice right now. Do what you're doing. Keep doing it. The end is not a thousand years. The end is less than a hundred years. The civilization we're in is going to collapse. NASA has even identified the, the collapses. They call it an irreversible collapse of industrial civilization within the next couple of decades. And, and I go, what does that mean? It says we cannot sustain 
the world by keeping taking the earth and taking it out and you know and changing nature it's not working so if we continue what we're doing the end is in a few decades so mm -hmm. now comes the, the the point when we hit the wall and said you can't do this anymore then it means you have to do something else <laughs> yeah you can't go this way you have to go some other way that going another way is a movement into evolution we have to change the nature of our civilization, stop being users and destroyers of the environment and go back to the indigenous people who were here 10,000 or more years ago. And I said, well, what did they know? They said, this is a garden. We have to be gardeners. Mm -hmm. And we turned a garden into a battleground. Mm -hmm. I go, the, the, a garden is not a battleground, the height of cooperation, a garden, everything is working together. Mm -hmm. I say, we have turned it into a battleground so what's the destination we have to turn around right now and start nurturing the planet nurturing ourselves stop mm -hmm. fighting there is no battleground in a garden it is a height of cooperation this is what we're missing and unfortunately because now it's an upheaval yeah uh, and i say and the upheaval is interesting because there's two polarized forces facing each other that they've done for the last uh, ten thousand years i go what are they i go Right now, uh, in this era, it's religion versus science. Mm -hmm. And the religious people say, come on back, because that was the old days. Let's go on back to the days of the Bible and come on back. Science are saying, no, come on, let's go forward into this way right here. And I go, uh, there's a struggle right now. It's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whose attention, uh, who, who's going to get our attention, the, the spiritual people or the science people? And I go, well, right now, the science people took a jump. <laughs> I go, what do they do? Well, the, the, there's this pandemic. I go, what the hell is that all about? I say, it's a separation of humans. The pandemic is stay in your house, keep social distancing, don't get together. I go, evolution is come together <laughs> and mm. form a community. And the COVID story is no, don't come together, you know, separate. And I go, in a simple point, Ryan, this is a conclusion why it's so simple. Yeah. People only have power when they're in community. Yeah. An individual by themselves has no real power. Mm. Okay. You could go out in the street and say, I want peace. Mm. I get everybody goes, that crazy person out there, you know? But the point about it is if you get large numbers of people that say, we want peace, then large numbers of people have power to create that. If you break the community down, people don't have power, but an authority does. Uh, and, you know, I mean, my God, in Australia, when the authority <laughs> cracked down, they put concentration camps up for, yeah. for people who didn't get a vaccine. A concentration camp. I said, wow, we went backwards really fast right there. So we're in a wake-up call. Wake-up call is this. We got to get our power back because we've given it up. And I said, why did we give it up? And the answer is so simple, mm. fear. Mm -hmm. Fear disempowers people. I say, why? If you're afraid and you're in fear, then what are you saying? Just think about it. I'm afraid of X, I'm in fear of X. I go, what does that mean? You don't have any power over X. X mm. has power over you, so now I'm afraid, please X, don't hurt me. <laughs> And I go, well, th this, this is the problem right here is because we as individuals have given up our power and let the big guys take care of it. Let the government take care of it. 
And I go, they're not our friends. <laughs> the, the government may have started out philosophically to be in support of us, but now they're in support of themselves. Mm. You know, the elected officials are, how much money can I make? Mm. <laughs> Where am I going? You know, look, look at all of them making money. And be, it's all based on money. How much money can you raise? How much money do you have? I go, well, then money is power at this point, right? And then I say, yeah, and 1%'s got the money. And 99% doesn't have the money. I said, what does that mean? Well, if money is power and you're part of the 99%, I said, the simple point, you have no power. You have no power over your life. They'll tell you to put the mask on. They'll tell you not to leave your house. And then they'll give you a, a warning and then they'll, they'll arrest you. I go, oh my God. <laughs> and, and I say, so why is this now an understanding point? It says, this is a challenge to evolution. If we don't have power, then we're controlled by forces above us. Uh, pharmaceutical company, mm. government companies. They're all, the, the politicians, uh, I mean, America is supposed to be, oh, democracy, we're all going to have a voice. I go, for example, we had a vote for gun control regulation and the population, 90% of the population said, yes, let's put gun control paperwork in here. And the government said, no. I said, who the hell are they representing? 90% mm. of the people said, put the controls on. The government said, no. I go, then the government's not speaking for us. I go, nope. They're speaking for corporations. Yeah. Uh, and corporations are the dinosaurs. I go, what do you mean the dinosaurs? Here, let's connect those back to our story. Yep. And I go, yep. how did corporations start? Oh, they started with little mom and pop operations, a little in the house, little home activity. Oh, but then they started selling some product. Oh, guess what? Now we have to have bigger operation. Now we have to have a bigger operation. So think about it this, the lizard is the small five inch version uh, as the start of the reptile. I said, yeah, but what it ended up, I said 50 foot lizard. I go, it's the same model as the five inch lizard. It's the mom and pop shop that blew up into dinosaur proportions. I go, so significance of that. And I go, because in the dinosaur, there's a small controlled little brain. That's why dinosaurs failed. They had a walnut sized brain and 50 foot body. <laughs> Awareness dropped out. Yeah. So, you know, I always love it because General Motors was making something called the Humvee, you know, that military version thing. And when? When there was no fuel, we had a, a fuel shortage. I said, and what did they introduce? Humvee. I go, yeah, five miles to the gallon. I go, huh? We got no fuel and you put a fire. That's a dinosaur thinking. Yeah. Dinosaur. And I say, relevance is corporations have overtaken us. Corporations run government. And they don't care about us because uh, I'll give you the, the law. Let's put the law in here. I said, what is it? By law, a corporation's main function, number one, if you're going to list all the principles, what's a corporation supposed to do? Number one, make a profit for the shareholders. Mm. So that's the rule. If you're not making a profit for the shareholders, then you're violating corporate interest. I go, so why has that become important? Mm. And I say it becomes important now because where are they making a profit from? Mm. Ah, they make mm. it from us. Mm. Mm. Okay. So do they care about us or do they care about the money? And the answer, they don't care about people. They care about the money. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm so familiar with so many drug executives. And, I, and here's a true story. This is how they figure it out. 
they come up, new drug, let's try it out. And they find, oh my God, some people die. And mm. I go, oh, you would think, oh, people die, don't, don't make this drug. Mm. And they're, no, no. They go and say, how many people die? And I go, what, why? How much drug can we sell? How many people die? I go, why is the significance here? And the answer is this. If I make enough money and a few people die, then that's okay. We'll just pay off the, the lawsuit because we're going to make tons of money here. So the fact is they will sell a drug knowing people are going to die. As long as they make enough profit, then I don't care about the person dying. And I say that's where corporations and humans differ. Because at one point they say, oh, corporations are like humans. Give them the vote. Give them the right. And, and so, Ryan, here's, here's the problem with that, the monkey wrench in the machine. Humans have morality. We're supposed to anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, don't kill things. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're supposed to have morality. Yeah. But corporations have no morality. Mm-hmm. They just have a mission. How much money can I make? That is the mission by law of what a corporation is. So I say, then that's why they can do anything. Let's destroy the environment if we can make enough money. And all of a sudden you start to see the leadership of this world is not really caring about what the individuals want. Mm -hmm. They want to appease the money-making part. Mm -hmm. And then the laws come down, and uh, and if if it conflicts with a corporate law, then screw the people. Let's give the corporation their due. And that's Mm -hmm. once we gave up. Uh, and we said humans are like uh, corporations are like humans and have the power of a human. I go, no, they don't. They have no morality. They're nothing like a human at mm-hmm. all. Uh, and uh, and we gave them all the power. And this is a wake up call for all of us. It said, who's caring for you? You know, I love that they always talk about the friendly banker. When's the <laughs> banker friendly? The banker is friendly when you have money. Yeah. If yeah. you don't have money, banker's not so friendly anymore. Doesn't care about you at all. Absolutely. You know, and I go, same thing, pharmaceutical company. You got money? We're working with you. Yeah, yeah I don't care about you if you have no money. Uh, and we lost. And so the evolution we're facing right now says we have been driven to this by minds that have no uh, care for an environment. Mm. Hey, take what you want, do what you want, throw crap into the water. You know, all this kind of stuff. Dig out the natural resources. Every, it's like, what's our future if you do this? The answer is, it's already happening. Extinction. Mm-hmm. We're not in harmony with each other, obviously. And we're not in harmony with nature. And I say, well, that you got two choices here. Follow the money or follow the harmony. Mm-hmm. And, and right now, unfortunately, this is a tug of war. And corporates are winning because fear. Mm. Because once you're afraid, you give up power. Fear is a definition. I'm not, I'm afraid. <laughs> I go, well, then who's going to help you? Who's got the biggest stick? Yeah. Who's the one with the biggest clout? <laughs> Let's give them the power. And I'll wait here for them to fix it. And I go, they, they're clubbing you over the head at this point, uh, and we have to wake up. I'm sorry I went on a, a tirade a little that's bit. It, that's it. Let's wrap up. That was a perfect answer. <laughs> Let's call it a day there. No, I'm joking. My friends, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank you for being here with us. I really hope that you're enjoying the interview so far. At Always Better Than Yesterday, we love to create a greenhouse, which is an environment in which people grow. 
We've been running our Facebook greenhouse. We are always better than yesterday now and for nearly five years. We have some amazing, like-hearted, like-minded human beings from all around the world. And I'd love to invite you uh, an invitation to come and join us. We've also recently established a new greenhouse over on Discord. You can check out the links to both our Facebook and our Discord communities in the show notes. And here we go. Let's get back to the interview. That was an amazing answer. And, um, you know, I was listening very closely and it just reminded me that over the course of, you know, listening to your books and reading your books, like you've introduced me to a level of science and that I was never taught, you know, you know, the, the idea of Lamarckian evolution, for example. No. Oh my God, you're English. How could you, how could you do that? He was French. Absolutely, but you know, it's, it's <laughs> and they nailed them for that too. Okay, absolutely. And you know, when when you talk about the nature of evolution, isn't you know competition and survival of the fittest? It's actually collaborative in nature. And then when you, and then that quote you shared from eighteen oh nine, which talks about the end of human civilization will be the point where they disconnect from the the very nature that sustains it. It's just, it's a very very powerful realization. And and I guess this has been your life for you know 30 40 years in in cell biology where 50 50 years you know great serve because you know uh, many people have looked at you i guess you use the word heretic that, oh yeah because i'm challenging the church the church of what whoever says whatever they think science is now uh, this is part that irritates the hell out of me because <laughs> With this pandemic, nobody recognized a, a little thing happened when nobody was paying attention. I go, what was it? Global government. Mm. And what do you mean global government? I said, who set up the rules for the pandemic? A small little group of people, mm. including Fauci and Bill Gates. Mm. And I say, they, the whole world all of a sudden said, what do you guys want us to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, we should do this. Uh, so in India and, and Africa and, and England and then South America, US and Australia, what do you want us to do? And all of a sudden we did it. We locked up people and we put people away from each other. And I go, uh, why did we do this? Fear, they mm. sold it as fear. Mm. You know, there's an interesting article in the, in the um, uh, Guardian and you, you should know that paper, right? <laughs> the Guardian, it's a, it's a wonderful paper. Let me just see if I can just pull it up because I wanna read it to you. Uh, uh, very, oh my goodness. I got so many of them. I can't read it right now. I'll tell you what, let me tell you what the article said. Ready? They were worried because they wanted to get everybody to get the vaccine. And there were people who were not getting the vaccine. And this was from an excerpt from a government, British government advisory group on how to handle Mm. behavior in a pandemic Mm. from the Mm. advisory group. And what was the reason, what was the suggestion from the advisory group? People are not afraid enough. Scare them more. Wow. And then tell them how to resolve the fear. I say, scare them more. You're all going to die. But if you get the wow. vaccine, you can save your ass. And I go, wow. and they've been pushing that mantra. Uh, and the fact is this, the data does not support this. It's manipulated data. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the irritation that really galled me the most was when Fauci stands up and he says, if you doubt me, you doubt science. I go, who the hell made you the Pope of science? 
There is no pope of science. There's no one opinion of science. Science is a collective understanding where everybody contributes something. And he said, if you doubt me, then you're anti-science. And that's where all of a sudden the public, anybody who doubts this stuff is crucified in the public as being an anti-vaxxer, you know, uh, uh, you know, a throwback and they name you and they criticize you and they make you look like an idiot. Why? Because they pick the data Mm. to say this is our science and i go i have bruce lipton in my computer right now because i have the web science that they don't report mm. and the science they don't report says don't do that vaccine folks <laughs> the vaccine is a terror it doesn't freaking work i go why not i say well they call it breakthrough we got breakthrough covid here we ain't breakthrough Breakthrough simply defined means the vaccine does not stop this or infect it in any way. So mm. get more vaccine. Get another booster. Mm. Hey, it didn't work in the first place. What the hell are you going to get another booster to the same thing? It does not work that way. Mm. And the idea is, oh, we're just going to vaccinate everybody and then there'll be peace on earth. And I go, they also are beginning to learn a very important fact of biology, which I've been talking about years, and it's actually from Lamarck even. When environments change, the organisms adapt. Yeah. When the, anti, when the vaccine that Pfizer came up with started to influence it, organisms, when people were infected, when they copy the virus, mm. there's two ways of copying a virus, the DNA, the nucleic acid, the code. There are proteins that copy the DNA. Well, there's two different proteins to copy DNA. Mm. One of them copies perfectly. You can have a million bases, or those are little chemicals in the DNA, uh, in a gene. You can have a million, and they copy the gene with this copy device, and 99.99% of the copy is 100% accurate. You know, in other words, that's a perfect copy. And that way I replicate the virus, okay? But there's a second enzyme that's called a sloppy copy device, okay? Uh, because when it copies, it introduces variations into the code. Mm. I go, so why is that relevant here? And I go, and the answer is simple. Because if the virus, the standard one, runs up against the wall, one of the variants, Omicron, Delta, Mu, will alter the structure of the virus so that the vaccine has no influence on it. Mm. And all of a sudden I say, well, that's what happened. The variants, Omicron is a variant. Why is mm. it significant here? And the answer is this. When you make antibodies after you put a vaccine in, it makes it against the protein called the spike. Mm. And an antibody, people don't even get how perfect it is. It's a lock and key mechanism. There's a structure of the spike that's like the lock. The antibody is the perfect fit, like a key, to bind to that. And when the antibody binds to the spike, it marks it for destruction. Okay? Mm. I go, great. And I say, then what? Omicron, Delta, Mu. I say, what happened? Oh, the variant changed the structure of the spike. I go, so mm. what? I say, you know that antibody you made? It doesn't recognize the new version at all. Mm. And that's why I don't care if you got a vaccine or not. The new version is not affected by the antibodies created from the first vaccine. You have to create a new vaccine 
for every variant that shows up. And I go, I don't care how many times you make a new vaccine, nature's going to make a new virus. <laughs> That's the way yeah. it always has been. My, um, so my, the vaccine my, is useless. My son came down with COVID just before Christmas. And, and uh, Bruce, I had the belief that he couldn't make me sick without my permission. Is that a healthy belief to have? Or was that naive? Like, no. What you, what's your perspective no. on that? The, the most uh, very significant part about this is your consciousness controls your immune system down to every degree. I'll give you an example. Uh, a long time ago, they were doing studies on uh, dissociation identity, uh, which is uh, multiple personality. I go, so what does that mean? I say, they found, now listen, that let's say I'm the subject. In my conventional personality, A, I have an allergic response to strawberries that I can get uh, actually sick and die from, get hives and, and go through an oversensitive response. Mm. And then they say, well, what? when that person's personality switched to a different personality, B, they could eat all the strawberries they wanted. Wow. I go, well, what does that mean? Just by switching from personality A to B, all of my antibodies to strawberries disappeared? I go, no, they're still there. Why? Because if you go from B back to A again, guess what? Strawberries will kill you. And I go, significance of this is when they change personality, they change the effectiveness of the immune system. Okay, so now you're talking about does my personality affect if I'm going to get the COVID or not? I go, absolutely it does. And especially if you're in fear, because when you're in fear, you shut down the immune system that opens you up anyway, because the stress hormones from fear, this is, people pay attention to this, ready? Mm -hmm. When a doctor wants to transplant an organ from person A into person B, an organ, heart, lung, kidney, whatever, okay? Remember that the organ from, from the donor is not genetically identical to the recipient. And the nature of the immune system is to identify things that are not necessarily yours in your body and eliminate them. Why? Because it's not you. So when they transplant an organ, the recipient's immune system wants to reject it. I said, so what do they do? And this is it. They give the patient stress hormones before the operation mm. because stress hormones shut off the immune system. And so this way they can do the transplant and the recipient's immune system is not gonna reject it. So I go, what's doing this? I go, stress hormones. I say, watch the news. You already have shut down the immune system. And this is yes. the most important fact is fear gets you ready to run from that invisible tiger that's chasing you. Uh, and when you're running from the tiger, where do you want your energy? Just, you know, let's say here's a human body. He's running from a tiger. Where do you want the energy? You want, should I grow more beard? No, no, don't waste the time on that. Okay. Uh, you know, should, should I build some more? you know, body up and get some strength and say, not now, man, you're running from the damn thing. Mm -hmm. So here's the point. When stress hormones are introduced in the body, they shut down functions that are not necessary, that are using energy. Mm -hmm. But I need the energy to run. So the point, the stress hormones find whatever systems in your body that you do not need when running from that saber-toothed tiger and shuts them off until after you escape the tiger.
because I'm going to use all of the energy to run away from the tiger. So stress hormones redirect the whole function of the body, not in from growth. When we're happy in a good place, we're in growth and taking care of the body, maintenance, fixing, cleaning, energizing, doing all that stuff. But when you're running from the tiger, it's like, nope, I want all of the energy to run away. So I shut down functions. I shut down growth and maintenance of the body. I go, how do you know? I tell you, because everybody has experienced it. When you start to get afraid, guess what? You feel queasy in the gut. You feel, they call it uh, butterflies in the stomach. I go, what's that? It's fluffy. It's not, something's wrong in here. I go, what's going on? Stress hormones shut off the blood supply to the gut mm. because it's not necessary to grow, digest food, you know, maintain the body. I need the energy to run away from the tiger. So when you feel that queasy, it's the stress hormones causing the blood vessels in the gut to squeeze shut. And that's where you get that funny feeling because then when the blood vessels are shut, it pushes the blood to the arms and legs mm. so I can run away from the tiger. So I go, okay, number one, in growth, my visceral functions are taking over and cleaning my body, maintaining it, fixing it, repairing it, and keeping me in good health. But in protection, I'm not going to use that. Because I need the energy to go to my arms and legs, because that's how I'm going to escape the tiger. Now comes the one I just mentioned just before. And I said, the immune system protects me on the inside. I got a bacterial infection. I'm being chased by a tiger. Which one do you want to have energy? You want to split the energy? I go, who cares about the bacteria? If the tiger catches you, the bacteria is not your problem anymore. It might be the tiger's problem by this point. And I go, so... The immune system is shut down because how, how much energy does that use? I say, have you ever been sick? You may not have had the energy to get out of bed. I go, where's the energy? It's like the immune system, when it's working on something, will take zap the energy of your body to work and protect you. So running from the tiger, I don't need the immune system, so stress hormones shut that off. And then the last one, I, I always refer to this as an insult to the injury. You've just been injured by shutting off your growth and shutting off your immune system. I say, what else? The brain has the forebrain, which is thinking, and the hindbrain, which is reflex, okay? Thinking is slow. It's a slow process. Uh, I mean, so if I'm in an emergency situ situation, if I'm going to be thinking, it's like, uh, 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 I go, and I go, yeah it's it's going to slow you down. So the same stress hormones that cause the blood vessel in the gut to squeeze shut, they squeeze the blood vessels in the forebrain, the thinking part. Hmm. But I say, why would they close those blood vessels? Because when you close these, you push the blood to the hindbrain for reaction. Hmm. Reaction's no thinking, man. <laughs> it's like instant. Boom. Yeah. So what is the consequence of living in fear? A, you shut down your growth. B, you shut down the immune system. C, you shut down the intelligence to respond to whatever reaction I can do. Reflex, mm -hmm. reaction, no thinking. So we become less intelligent. <laughs> so I say, so when the government is suggested to make us more afraid yeah. and they put on the statistics, you're all gonna die. First of all, the, we shut down and go, somebody help me, <laughs> you know? And while you're waiting for this thing, uh, to clear, 
you're dripping stress hormones in every day. Am I going to get food? Is my job going to still be here? Will mm. I be able to take care of my kids? Will I be able to pay the rent? Mm. Uh, and you start, every one of these questions releases a fear stress. It's yeah. like, I'm not going to make it. What's the long-term effect of that? What's that? What's the long-term effect of, of that, living in that state of fear and stress? 90% of illness on this planet is due to stress. Yeah. Everyone thinks, oh, genes are responsible. Wake up call, you ready? Less than 1% of illness on this planet is connected to genes. Mm. 90% plus is stress. Because if you, the idea was, well, why would nature create a system that shuts itself down yeah. in the fear? And I said, when was it created? I said, when we were running away from a saber-toothed tiger. I said, what was relevant back then? And here it is. If you escape that tiger, five minutes of running, 10 minutes of running, you escape the tiger, guess what? No more stress. Yeah. So yep. it was only used for short intervals to run away from a tiger. Yeah. Now stress is 24 seven, 365. Every day stress, can I get the food? Can I get the rent? Can I get healthcare? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. Go, at the end of the day, man, you've been running stress all day long. Yeah. And that's why the biggest problem on this planet is a healthcare crisis that affects yeah. about 90% of this planet. Yep. And I go, uh, and I say, what's the cause of it? Genes. No, no, that's where we put all our money in. Find the gene that causes this. Find the gene for alcoholism. Find the gene for this. Find the gene for that. And I go, no, there are no genes for those things. Mm. Cancer. I love it. What about my cancer gene? Ready? There's no gene that causes cancer. Not one gene causes cancer. Cancer is a result of 20 plus genes being turned on at the same time. I say, what's the chance of that being an accident? And I go, no chance at all, man. That is a setup. That cancer is a result of, of altering our, our growth into, into fear and anger and all those things shifts. And the result is it sets up a situation that supports a cancer gene. A cancer gene does not control anybody. Uh, Angelina Jolie gets a double mastectomy because her mother died of breast cancer, her grandmother died of breast cancer, and she has the breast cancer gene, the BRCA gene, and immediately says, oh my God, I don't wanna die, I'm gonna cut my breasts off. And then I go, wow. 50% of the women that have the breast cancer gene never get the cancer. Mm. 50%. I go, so what does that mean? It's like having the gene does not cause cancer. Yeah. Having the gene in a lifestyle that threatens the harmony of the body opens the body for cancer. Mm. So all of a sudden it's like, we've been blaming the gene for cancer. I go, nope. It's our consciousness, our stress levels that cause cancer. And has nothing, 90% or yeah. so apparently is the number of how many people get cancer with no cancer in their family. Wow. Where the hell did the cancer come from? Lifestyle. That's really powerful. And um, many of the listeners will be in leadership positions where they're able to uh, influence the environment with which people spend a lot of their time in, in the workplace. And, you know, there are there are daily stressors, whether it be the the inbox that's filling up and the task list, the deadlines, the shitty leadership style traits that um, certain people demonstrate, you know, power and authority. Where do they start? How, how, 
how do they start to use their heart-centered mammalian influence to be aware of some of this stuff, I guess, to start with, is understanding the impact of stress? And, and, and how can they have a positive influence, shall we say? Well, the classic statement of truism that we've known forever almost is knowledge is power. Let me say the same thing that now applies to today's world. I say, a lack of knowledge is a lack of power. And I go, so what does that go from here? I go, you have been programmed to believe you're a victim, hmm. a victim of germs, bacteria, blah, 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 this and this and this. As I said, once you program yourself as a victim, you have given up power hmm. to more powerful people to help you avoid the being the victim. So then what have you become? Powerless. I say, where did this start? And I say, COVID story? I'll tell you where it started. Day one. I said, what does it mean? They came up with a statistic. Day one. COVID is a killer. It's going to kill millions of people in the U.S. They're going to kill over 2 million people in the U.S. I said, every year we have flu season. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, get your flu shot. Most people, who gives a damn, get the flu shot, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This year... You're going to die. It's like, huh? <laughs> and as soon as they put the fear in and they showed death and then they showed pictures of, you know, emergency rooms overrun and tents where they're going to serve people and all that. And I go, if anything, you're filling them up, those tents, because you're scaring them. Yeah. And when you scare them, their immune system shuts down and they're open to any damn thing besides COVID. They're open to everything at mm. that moment. Mm. And I go, it was fear. So if you want to change things, you have to say, well, how do I get rid of the fear? I say, well, the hard part now is find the real data. <laughs> the mm -hmm. real data of this COVID story is a manipulation. Mm -hmm. Not that many people die. It's not even that much greater than the normal flu. But if I take the normal flu and take the population and scare them that they're going to die, mm -hmm. then I'm going to exacerbate those numbers like crazy. Why? Because of the COVID? No because of the stress hormones from the fear of the COVID. So I say, I want to take my power back. And I said, well, then stop being afraid. Uh, 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 and it's very hard because everything is now, be afraid. Be afraid of who? Your neighbor. Why? Yeah. Oh, they didn't get the vax. I hate that person. Yeah. And in Australia, they say, put them in a camp. Separate them from the world. 2022. It's crazy. It's crazy because this is what the Nazis did in Germany. How did they first round up the Jews? It, it wasn't on money or anything. They first rounded them up because they're unclean. Mm. Jews make disease. Mm. What do they do? Make a camp. Put them into a, a, a place. Put them all over here into yeah. this area and don't let them out. Because wow. if you let them out, they're going to bring the disease with them. So... The Nazi story started with what? Fear of disease. These people are unclean. Jews are unclean. And then, therefore, we must separate them from the population. I go, the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. The unvaxxed are the unclean. Separate them. Don't let them out of the house. I mean, even in Canada and Brunswick, the, you know, they even stopped them from going to the supermarket. Nuts. You know, it's like at least there was enough compassion in other countries. It's like, okay, you can't go to the this store, you can't go to the concert, you can't go get the the bar, but you can go to the drugstore, 
the food market and the liquor store, the three that were open, they said, oh, if you're unvaxxed, you're allowed to go there because that's life, man. Mm. But then even in Canada, they even took that one away and say, no, if you're not vaxxed, you can't even go to the supermarket. I go, what the hell are you people doing? That's, that's nuts. <laughs> and I just want to thank you for being so open and honest and, and so forthright with your, your views and your opinions and and um, you know, uh, you you are changing lives with your with your work and your insights. A very good friend of mine, Phil Walker, he had a a brain injury, yeah, um, and he was told that he'd never walk again. And yet, he attributes your work to changing his life. This understanding of epigenetics. Um, oh. within six to twelve months, he was back bodybuilding, competing again. And uh, the only and way he did that was because of his consciousness, because most people by the projection of the doctor is true. Yeah. And yeah. if the doctor says you're not gonna walk again, do they even make an effort? Oh no, I can't walk. Mm. I go, if you say that to yourself, then you're, this epigenetics. Yeah. Let's just simply get what the hell does that mean? I say, all of us out here now have been programmed with a belief that genes control the character of our lives. Oh, cancer genes, this gene, that gene, and that the genes turn on and off and control our lives. I say, summarize, what is the meaning of that on the average person in the world when they hear this? And the answer is this, as far as I know, I didn't pick the genes I came with, and there's, mm. the, there's the character of my life. If I don't like the character of my life, I can't change the genes I came with, so I'm stuck with that character of life. And then on top of that, the genes turn on and off by themselves. And so you could be just walking down the street and today the cancer gene says, ah, cancer, let's have cancer. And I get it. I say, so put those together. I say, what is the consequence of the belief of that? And the answer is, I am a victim of my heredity. Whatever is passed down through my family, I'm going to get it. And I have to live with it. I have no power. The genes did it by themselves. I'm a victim of my genes. And I go, okay, right? Clearing up and getting the facts. What is a gene? It is a molecular blueprint to make a protein. I go, okay, what does that mean? I go, proteins are the building blocks to make this physical body. Uh, uh, in my lecture, I refer to them uh, like a, a giant Lego kit, a Lego kit with 100,000 different pieces with different pieces. I said, and you assemble it this way, you made a muscle cell. You take some of those pieces and assemble it this way, I made a brain cell. So the proteins are the pieces. The proteins have to be replaced. So you need a blueprint. The blueprint is the DNA. I go, and here comes the whole thing where it falls down, you ready? Go into an architect's office and let's say she's working on a blueprint and you lean over her shoulder and ask her this question, excuse me, is your blueprint on or off? As you look at, what are you crazy? It's a blueprint. It's on and off. It's a blueprint. Precisely. A gene is a blueprint. It has no ability to turn itself on. It doesn't know what the hell it's doing. It has no, you know, like awareness of my job is to know. I say, who's the architect that reads the blueprint? Mm. I go, oh consciousness. And I say, then genes don't turn on and off by themselves. They're turned on and off by our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I, I say, well, that's control above the gene. Here's the gene. 
here's consciousness. Consciousness is above the gene. Well, in the Latin of biology, epi means above. I go, so what? Like, what, what do I call skin? Epidermis. I go, what does that mean? Well, just below the skin is a layer called the dermis. And I say, so what does epidermis mean? Above the dermis, epidermis, skin. <laughs> now I say, old story. This character is under genetic control. What does that mean? Genes control this character. That's what we've been programmed to believe, okay? Now I say, no, that was the old science. The new science is called epigenetic control. This character is under epigenetic control. I say, what does that translate as? You ready? Control, epi, above, control, above genes, epigene, epigenetic. I said, what's controlling above the gene? I go, consciousness. I go, significance. Genes don't turn on and off by themselves. They're controlled by our response to the world. And as we change our response to the world, we change our genetics. Mm. Then it comes down to, is the world offering you growth or is the world offering you protection? I go, then you're interpreting the world and controlling your genes. If the world is offering you growth, you go out there, you're vital, you're healthy, you're active, you're doing all kinds of things, great. But if the world tells you to be afraid, you're going to die, then you go inside. Mm. Protection is this. Growth is this. Open, take it in. Protection is this. Close it down. Protect me. I say, you can't grow when you disconnect yourself from the environment. You can't live inside a shell. You need to connect. So the more we shut ourselves down, the more we're disconnected. The more we're disconnected, then the problem is the genes are going to have all different functions. In protection, they're not offering growth. In protection, they just want you to be isolated. And so all of a sudden, epigenetics says this. It's my consciousness that's the architect that selects the blueprints called the genes to make the structure I need. I said, what structure do you need? I said, what do you believe? I need to protect myself? Oh, then I'm going to do the building and put myself like that. And I go, it was only designed to use for 10 minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not 24-7, 365 protection. It's impossible. Can't survive that way. Can't do it. You've shut yourself down. The only way you can live is to be open. Mm -hmm. And I go, so here's the point. Growth is open and move to a stimulus like love, food, something you enjoy. You're open and you're going out there and you're taking it in. Love, take it in. Food, take it in. Open, go to the stimulus. Open, take it in. Growth. What about protection? Go away from the stimulus and close yourself down. I say, well, first of all, you can't go to a stimulus and away from a stimulus at the same time. You can't do both. You got to be one or the other. Oh, you can't be open and closed at the same time. I say, then the significance is profound, simple, and clear. Growth, you're open to the world and you assimilate the things you need. Protection, you close yourself to the world and block everything out. And therefore I go, well, then how long can I stay in protection? I say, not too long, man, because the longer you stay, you're dis it's a disability in here. You've, you've closed the system down. That's not how it lives. Now it's hiding. 
And I go, you can't survive without eating. You can't survive without taking in the air. You can't survive without eliminating the waste. You have to be connected. And I go, in a state of fear, you shut it down. So I say, you can't be in growth and in protection at the same time. They're different behaviors. And I go, and the world is putting us where? In growth? Uh, absolutely not. The world is, shut it down, folks. Hide in your house. Put the mask on. Don't get too close to the other people. I go, holy crap. Yeah. Because evolution is the opposite. Evolution yeah. is open, creating with the garden, being a gardener, not to pillage the garden, but mm -hmm. to support the garden like the indigenous people of this planet have known and we have forgotten. And I say, well, what's the consequences of us forgetting that we're gardeners? I say, we've stepped and destroyed the garden so much that it is not going to support us. Yeah. And that's what the extinction is all about. There you go. That concludes part one of episode 163 with Dr. Bruce Lipton. If you would like to watch this interview, please head to our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to make sure that you do not miss part two. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whichever platform you're currently using. Please do share this with people who you think are like-hearted and like-minded and would benefit from hearing what Bruce has shared. Join us next week where Bruce and I continue the conversation and you will hear about the new science of epigenetics, the importance of the environment on our health, why we should learn to lead like a noble gas, the implications of what we learn in the first seven years of our life, and Bruce's final thoughts on the future of humanity. I appreciate you being here with us, and I look forward to sharing time and space with you again next week. Always love, my friends.